Hello everybody and welcome back to the third episode of the Sagebrush Spotlight. I'm your host, Patrick McNabb, here to recap the most important events from the week prior. As always, make sure to take a look at the articles on the Nevada Sagebrush website. The writers work really hard on those articles and they deserve the recognition. With that being said, let's get right into it. A little bit of a shorter news section today starts off with the story written by Nevada Sage Rose volunteer reporter Peregrine Hart. A few years back in the Gabs Valley Range near Looney, Nevada, Forrest and Nadine Fasig were hiking in search for some coral fossils when they discovered something vastly different. A piece of a backbone from a massive ichthyosaur was protruding from the hilly area that the Fasigs found themselves in. UNR master student Gary McGaughy, along with the research team from the University of Nevada, Reno, the University of Utah, Vanderbilt University, and the University of Edinburgh, were sent to the site around a year later to investigate. Quote, when I saw these very large ribs sticking out of the hillside, there was no doubt as to what they were. I probably smiled for two hours or something, said McGaughy. The ichthyosaur originally descended from a lizard-like species, but as time went on, their bodies adapted to the ocean to become more dolphin-like. The Shanosaurus popularis is the official Nevada state fossil and the largest of the ichthyosaurs, the longest being an estimated 21 meters. Magahi has set out to date the bones found at the site, himself and the rest of his team relying on two methods, biostratigraphy and geochemistry. Biostratigraphy involves using other nearby fossils whose age is already known to try to date another fossil who has a mystery age. Geochemistry allowed the team to date some layers of volcanic ash that was found around the fossil. A significant question being asked by the team is how this fossil correlates to the extinction event that killed everything else. Did the ichthyosaur go extinct before all the other dinosaurs, or did they meet the same fate? Quote, the biggest thing we could say with a lot of confidence now is that these large ichthyosaurs survived until the end Triassic period, said Magahi. As the research progresses, Magahi is hopeful for the bones to reveal more secrets about the species. Quote, we have this roaring potential of what we could find out there compared to what we currently have. The UNR theater department suffered a major loss in the retirement of Mike Fernbach, the former theater design and technology specialist, in the spring of 2022. This leaves theater major and minors at a disadvantage due to the lack of replacement in his position. During his 34-year career at the university, Fernbach instructed a class that all theater majors and minors were required to take. Due to the lack of replacement, theater students are being forced to substitute the class. Along with this, theater productions are now going to be at an even greater disadvantage. Cheyenne Hills talked to the Nevada Sagebrush Assistant News Editor Madison Wonko about the hardships that the theater department will now face in their upcoming production of 9 to 5. Quote, Mike Fernbach was the technical director, chief electrician, prop master, and about two other jobs, says Hills. With the retirement of Fernbach, the theater department has decided to move on with their performances with one key difference, making it a concert-style theatrical performance, meaning putting on their productions with no lights, props, costumes, or set pieces. It is very clear that Fernbach took extra work for the department with little to no extra compensation. Kendra Bell, costume design and technology specialist for the department, comments on this. Quote, it is too much and I think it is unfair of the university or the department to continuously expect him to volunteer and take on this extra workload that he did not have to. With the retirement of Fernbach, many theater students, faculty, and staff have come to realize what a huge help he contributed to the department. Quote, it is not enough to hire another Mike. Mike should never have had to do all he did. We need three people minimum, and we need them certified in the programs that are being used in the field today, says Hills. With the conclusion of the news section, we're going to be taking a short break to catch our breath and reflect on the news. I'm your host, Patrick McNabb, and you're listening to the Sagebrush Spotlight. Spotlight.
Moving on to sports, the Nevada Wolfpack women's volleyball team split its two-game road set against Colorado State and Wyoming from October 6th to October 8th. Since their win against Sacramento State on September 22nd, Nevada has been on the losing end of three straight Mountain West matchups, winning only two of the 11 sets played in that time. Nevada was swept for the fourth time this season against Colorado State, losing the first two sets 25-23 before getting crushed in the final set, coming in at 25-13. After the game, Nevada managed to pull off the second-worst hitting percentage of the season at .084. They had 33 kills and 32 assists to 24 errors on 107 attacks. The script flipped on Saturday with a five-set victory over Wyoming. Nevada had 57 kills, 54 assists with 26 errors, equaling a 16.9 hit percentage. These two games put Nevada at an 8-9 with a 2-4 Mountain West record, leaving Nevada tied with Wyoming, San Diego State, and New Mexico. The Nevada women's soccer team traveled to San Jose for their September 29th victory against the Spartans. With San Jose putting up 13 shots in the first half and 14 in the second half, San Jose ended the game with zero points, making none of their shots. Fifth-year goalkeeper Kendall Stovall made 10 saves to shut out the Spartans, conceding no goals. Offensively, the Wolfpack was relatively quiet, with a total of 10 shots throughout the game. The fourth shot reached the back of the net from Emily Rich and assisted by Abigail Souza, giving Nevada a 1-0 lead that lasted until the end of the game. This was Nevada's first win since their game against Sacramento State. Reporting for this story was done by Nevada Sagebrush volunteer reporter Anthony Miranda. The Nevada men's golf team finished 14th out of the 16 teams in the Mark Simpson Colorado Invitational on October 3rd and 4th. Despite this placing, the Wolfpack earned two top 20 finishes. In the third tournament of the season, the men's golf team finished 21 above par, only ahead of North Colorado and Southern Utah. Peyton Callens and Kieta Okada are the only golfers who finished top 20 for the pack, with Callens finishing at T14 at plus one with two days at or below par. Okada finished with a T19 at two over, his second consecutive top 25 finish. The two-day Wolfpack Classic was on October 10th and 11th, with more reporting on that to come. Reporting for this story was done by Matt Hannafin. Moving on to arts and entertainment, the 25th annual Manhattan Short Film Festival took place in the Joe Crowley Student Union on September 29th. Around 60 people attended the event to watch a collection of 10 short films. The audio and visual setup in the theater gave viewers a wonderful immersion into what each short film had to offer. The night was split into two acts, with a short intermission in between them. To begin, the United States presented Save the Bees, the 10-minute and 50-second-long film directed by Charlie Schwan presented the audience with a unique plot with twists and dark humor. Another in the first act was Emmanuel Tenenbaum's Freefall, a short film inspired by the story of a stockbroker who bets on a market crash during the September 11th attacks in 2001. Each of the films shown at the festival was unique in its own way. With a different trope and engagement for each, each of the films left you with a different feeling than the last. The winner of the film festival was announced on October 4th. Spanish director Alvaro Carmona takes home the gold with the short film, The Treatment, a light comedy about restoring lost hair with one foolproof side effect. Reporting for this story was done by Nevada Sagebrush opinion editor Gabe Kanai. The Nevada Wind Ensemble played a beautiful sunset concert on September 30th at the Wilbur D. May Arboretum. Conductor Reed Chamberlain was introduced under the string lights and falling leaves as he stood in front of the group of white chairs where his performers would sit. Even the emptiest part of the area had a tree growing through it, splitting the percussion section in half. The Wind Ensemble opened with Semper Fidelis, a march written by John Philip Sousa in 1888. With a true march-like feel, the snare drum kept a consistent pace as the melody transferred through the band from the high brass and reeds to the typically forgotten low brass. As the piece finished, Chamberlain turned around to interact with his audience and began a night filled with microphone troubles. 
The wind ensemble then began to play their second piece, Simple Gifts. This piece being much slower than the first, had a simple fugue phrase repeated through all sections of the band. To end this was an even timpani roll from the percussion section. Third on the program was Suite of Old American Dances by Robert Russell. This piece was broken into five movements, each from a different era of the early 1900s, from marches all the way to ragtime jazz, with solos coming from the oboe section in the fourth movement. To introduce the next piece, Chamberlain said, quote, just a little whimsy. This is an excellent description for the piece. Bell of the Ball Waltz had the whimsy that the audience was expecting. A piece in 3-4 time has strong pulse from the bass drum, snare drum, and crash cymbals. Quote, the end will use some light pyrotechnics, said Chamberlain to introduce the final piece. The energetic 1812 overture was a true showstopper with a strong combination of all the previous pieces. The ensemble left no phrase unfinished as the concert came to a close. Miniature cannons were used to give the audience the true beauty of Pyotr Tchaikovsky's piece. As the concert ended, Chamberlain turned to the Nevada Wind Ensemble for words of encouragement. Quote, this is why we do what we do. It is important for us, and it's important for others. Reporting for this story was done by your host, Patrick McNabb, the Nevada Sagebrush Multimedia Editor. And with that, that brings this episode of the Sagebrush Spotlight to a close. Don't forget to follow the Sagebrush on Instagram and Twitter at Nevada Sagebrush, as well as following me on Instagram at Patrick.McNabb and Twitter at PatrickMcNabb underscore. Make sure you give all the articles I mentioned today a read on the Nevada Sagebrush website. Another episode of the Sagebrush Spotlight is going to come out next Friday, October 21st. I've been your host, Patrick McNabb. Thanks for listening to the Sagebrush Spotlight. See ya.